It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Roker Report podcast in association with Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. My name's Rich Spate. I'm filling in for Chris Wynn this week on the preview pod. And we're going to look ahead to Sunderland's game at the Stadium of Light against Gillingham on Saturday afternoon. And I'm delighted to be joined for this preview by Henry Collier from Kent Live. How are you this evening, Henry? I'm very well, Rich. How are you? I hear you had a bit of COVID, so made a full recovery yet? Um, not really, no. Oh. Uh, I'm still still a bit hoarse, um, oh, but no. COVID seems to be ravaging our squad at the minute at oh. Roker Report because there's at least, uh, at least three of us have either got it or recovering from it, but we'll battle through. Oh. Uh, we'll not be cancelling the fixture because of uh, COVID, uh, but hopefully uh, the the actual fixture does survive this current spike in the pandemic. So you are a lifelong Jills fan? Yeah, I mean, right? yeah, yeah, that's the right. So my dad was a, uh, a season ticket holder, grew up in Gillingham, and then we kind of moved well, when he was kind of middle-aged, kind of, he moved down to the coast. I was born down here, which is about 50 miles away, about an hour drive. But yeah, season ticket holder, ever since I can remember... As I was growing up, kind of doing maybe like five or six away games a season, plus all the home games. Then went to uni, did journalism, and did a couple of years working for the club, doing social media there. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of ended um, with COVID uh, and everything that went on with that. Um, so now back to being a fan again, which, you know, I must say I quite enjoy. It's quite nice going back on a Saturday afternoon and uh, having a few drinks and uh, seeing some people again. So, yeah, kind of done all, all aspects um, within the club. But, uh, yeah, a lifelong fan um, through thick and thin. It must have been a, a brilliant experience, like to actually be working for your boyhood club yeah. for a couple of years and getting all of those experiences, travelling travel around the country. Yeah, incredible. I mean, sometimes I had to pinch myself. So I was just 21, you know, maybe younger than that, 20, kind of, as you say, every Saturday going around the country. And, you know, there'd be times when, you know, pre-match and I'd be standing there pitch side and be me and the manager, uh, the chairman, all kind of standing around the edge and be like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm essentially just a fan that's just kind of hit the jackpot. Um, so yeah, honestly, no, no matter what I go on to do, those two years, I'll always remember that those moments and those some of those games um, and everything we had to do with it. Yeah, great times. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. So you, you came up to the Stadium of Light a couple of times? Uh, three times, actually. So we yeah, we we, uh, we played you, yeah, we had the Tuesday night game, uh, which was my first experience there. Um, it was a long trek for a Tuesday night. We, we, we lost mm-hmm. 4-2. I think we got beaten quite easily. Then we had um, an FA Cup, an FA Cup game, the one all. I think it was the first round. It's like a one o'clock kickoff, quite an eerie atmosphere. So we yeah. had that one, and then yeah, we had the game just before just before lockdown came in, uh, when no handshakes or anything. I think it was March the seventh, twenty twenty. I think it was that last game, um, mm. which from a Gillingham point of view was you know the great game. But 
yeah, three visits there. So I've had the, the joy of staying in Washington a few times before before a big game on a Saturday. Ah, lovely Washington. I went, to, I went to sixth form in Washington. I've uh, got a, a lot of fond memories of uh, of that end of Sunderland, <laughs> definitely. And obviously that, that game, that 2-2 before lockdown, that did for us. Yeah, um, points per game. That meant it? our points per game were not, were not enough to get a, a place in the playoff. And uh, it was so tight. And um, that was it hmm. for... Phil Parkinson's uh, playoff chances. So that that was quite a unique game, really, as it was the last one before COVID. And then, obviously, you you had to move on through all the cutbacks in COVID. And you've ended up covering the club uh, from just outside, uh, working for, for the local media. How, how's that going for you? So, yeah, we don't really cover... I mean, the kind of work we do, I kind of stay away from the sports side of things. Um, so I'm very much kind of like, right. I'm very much like a, jo- a local journalist, but kind of stay away, focus more on the news. Um, but still, you know, tweet a lot about Gillingham. People that will know that, that follow me on Twitter will know that. Um, and you still like to kind of know what's going on as well. So if you've got, obviously, big news stories that kind of become more than sport, we still cover them. But, yeah, kind of now I've kind of got that kind of balance between being someone that used to work there, um, you know, a fan, a journalist, so all kind of moulded into one. So I like to think I know what's going on a little bit, but yeah, just as I say, it's just been quite a tough year to be, no matter what, however you're working for the club or following the club, been quite a tough year, but the last few weeks have actually been quite enjoyable, which after a couple of years off was um, really quite nice, I have to say. Yeah, I mean, it's been a, a bit of a turnaround, hasn't it? Because after we last faced Gillingham, a funny old game at your place, Elliot Embleton getting sent off and I think it was a classic um, Steve Evans kind of spoiling tactics as we would we would see it as, as the club at the top of the league coming down and uh, you're making it really difficult for us and obviously Elliot Embleton getting sent off um, made it probably a, a, a less comfortable win for us but Steve Evans didn't last that much longer in his job and, and departed in January. What was the story around that? Because I think it might have passed a few Sunderland fans by that that change of manager actually took place. Was it literally just league position and the fact that you were really relegation threatened at that point? Uh, I think that was obviously part of it. You know, had we been top of the league, I don't think he would have gone. But, you know, we, we came into the season with quite... Um, obviously, we, we had 10th and 10th in uh, the last two years mm-hmm. um, under him, which was considered to be quite a successful um, couple of finishes with us. You know, kind of flirted with the playoffs a little bit last year. So we went into this season with fans back in. I think the feeling was that we could really push on and kind of push, actually push towards top six. Um, but it soon became clear with kind of a mixture of COVID hitting us a little bit in pre-season, but actually... Probably just in hindsight, the summer signings not being particularly good. We kind of went down the, the route of being having quality um, instead of quantity, but maybe the quality wasn't quite as good as we thought it was going to be. So it ended up being kind of quite a short squad um, with not a great deal of quality in it. We showed signs of picking up, but then there was like a six or seven week period between kind of end of October and mid-December where, you know, injuries, we were literally naming four or five subs and a couple of them were, were kids. So we were really, we had games, we lost at crew. 2-0 just before Christmas and it was just really just like you knew we were going to lose because the squad depth wasn't there but and then during that during that time kind of obviously there were there was some unrest growing I mean during that time Stevenage um, came in for his services like inquired um, about him leaving us and going to there I think it was kind of kept quite quiet but um, it sounds like um, the Gillingham chairman Paul Scully turned that down um, which was fine and kind of that moved on um, but yeah the results didn't improve we had a bit of a Covid break over Christmas as I know most teams did we came back, um, we drew at Milton Keynes, which was good. But then just after January, uh, about middle of January, we lost 4-0 at home to Ipswich. With man sent off, it was quite, um, yeah, quite a tough day. Obviously, we were 21st or something at the time, four points adrift. And I think most people, um, you know, even me, got on really well with Steve. Um, thought it did really good for us. But I think most people felt like we needed to make a change. And, you know, I think 
people will look back and say for two years he did a really good job. He made us a lot harder to beat, made us more professional. But yeah, this year was a real struggle. And I think probably, you know, best for both parties, um, kind of him going somewhere else. And obviously he's gone to Stevenage now. So we wish him well there. Um, and obviously it's kind of worked out well for us because our results have improved as well. So probably everyone a bit happy with that. Yeah, um, you brought in Neil Harris mm. at the end of January, uh, a manager who's obviously uh, a history with, I guess, one of your reasonably local rivals at Millwall. I don't know how that went down with your fans, but also uh, some experience with Cardiff as well, where he, he got the playoffs in, in the championship. So bringing a manager in who'd managed at a higher level must have been seen as a bit of a coup by your fans and, and it seems to have had a really big effect. Yeah, it was a coup. I mean, even more so when you consider that he came in two days after we lost 7-2 at home to Oxford. You know, probably mm-hmm. most teams talk about kind of like reaching the low point. And, you know, I think a lot of people, myself included, thought we'd be you know, guaranteed to go down at that point and actually feared kind of what would happen longer term in terms of foundations of the club. But he came in, that was on just before the end of January. He came in on deadline day, actually, deadline day. So he had 12 hours to try and, you know, do any kind of business. And he got one player in, our captain went, but he brought in Ben Thompson. And yeah, the turnaround's been quite incredible, really. As I say, you know, considering the game before he came in, we conceded seven at home to Oxford. You know, he's been in charge for 12 games now. Um, conceded just nine, kept six clean sheets. That's kind of been the foundation of what we've been doing. Um, being hard to beat. You know, not scoring many, but hopefully not conceding too many. Um, as for the Millwall thing, I think most of our fans were just happy that we didn't go down the route of a, a club legend or kind of an old face coming back that people quite like. I think, you know, it was good to see us appoint someone really on pedigree. And, you know, I think most people in the league were surprised when he came to us. Um, I'm sure, you know, he was in the playoffs with, with Cardiff, you know, a year ago, 15 months ago, whenever it was. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, he had a lot of a high, it was a high profile appointment, even more so considering where we were. Um, and as for the fact that he played for Millwall, yeah, he did. But, you know, he also had a little spell with us as a player um, for a short period of time, not for too long, but for a season, um, just kind of before I started going. So um, he knew the place well. And yeah, he's been he's been really, really impressive, kind of the way he carries himself, the interviews, and obviously, most importantly, the results, which have been, you know, a complete turnaround here. Yeah, I mean, those results, I'm just looking through them now. First game, first day almost in the job, mm-hmm. uh, a huge fixture at home against Crew, obviously, you were right down there with you. A one-nil win. You got a draw against away against Morecambe, which is no mean feat. Draw at AFC Wimbledon, and then winning away at Lincoln, winning away at Doncaster, and picking up even picking up a draw at home to Sheffield Wednesday is a great result. And then you go and beat Accrington Stanley, who are mid-table uh, at their place the other day. So you've had a decent run of form, and and is it seven points? Clear now or five, five points four, clear? Four points, four points clear. But I mean, to put, to put, that into con- to put that into context, we, you know, when he came in at the end of January, we were 10 points adrift. So, mm-hmm. yeah, five uh, five wins, three draws, four defeats for a side that won three times all season before he came in. Quite the turnaround. Um, and as you say, the, the games you pe- the, the wins you read out there, noticeable that a lot of them were against sides around us. Um, yeah. And yes, we've been, we've massively improved, but the sides around us at the moment, Touchwood from a Gillingham point of view, haven't, haven't really got a result between them. Um, which has massively helped. Obviously, we've beaten them uh, on our way a few times. But no, yeah, you know, it made, made a big, big difference. And four points, four points clear, considering although Wimbledon have got a game in hand, they're playing Charleston, I think, on Tuesday, which is like their game, their catch-up game. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, an incredible turnaround, because I think most people thought, you know, myself included, that we were as, as good as down two months ago. So to be in this position, even be fighting, even be thinking that we might stay up is, uh, is incredible, yeah. Yeah, so you've got um, six games left. Yeah. You're up to 40 games. Do you think maybe a couple of wins from then? And 
and that's League One again next season. Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because normally you'd say at this level, kind of 50 points is your kind of ballpark in terms of where you want to be. We're not going to get to 50 points. Uh, and then none of the bottom four are going to get to 50 points. Yeah, I think seven, mm. seven, if we can get seven points from the next six, um, two wins, uh, a draw, and then, you know, if we lose the rest, that would probably be enough because it would mean the teams beneath us would need to win probably four games, which considering that they can't really buy a win um, between them would, would be good going. But yeah, probably two wins, a couple of draws would be would be good. Just hopefully we get them sooner rather than later, because obviously we don't want to go down to the end. Although we have got actually some, some no. quite some quite tough fixtures on paper, so it's going to, not going to be easy. Well, for sure. we've got Morecambe away on the last day of the season. Well, you can do us a favour um, there. So can't you? Our, you can do us a favour. Our fates may well be in, in intertwined <laughs> in that in that uh, final moments of the regular season when we're trying to um, secure a, a playoff place. Um, so Sunderland have obviously changed manager at. Almost the same moment, really, as as yourselves. Although we sacked our manager deadline day or the day before deadline day, uh, rather than uh, brought one in. We've got Alex Neil in charge now. It's been a a little bit of a slow start, but seems to be getting going. But from the outside, did it look like a strange decision? Sunderland sacking Lee Johnson when we were, you know, we'd we'd been top of the league a couple of games before. We were three points off top or something like that. And okay, we got scudded off. Bolton, but from the outside, from another like EFL fan perspective, did it seem like a, a weird one? Uh, slightly, but I think it's it's always hard because there's this feeling that like you know you can never. I always think you never can quite judge a team from unless you're a supporter of that team. So it may have looked harsh, yeah. but you know I wasn't watching Sunderland every week. The football might not have been great, and actually people might have felt like actually they weren't really going anywhere. I think you know I would say from an, an outsider, I would say Alex Neil was a much better manager for you guys at this level um, than Johnson. I just thought, you know, in terms of... But then I, I looked at most of your recent appointments um, and most of them on paper have looked quite quite strong appointments and people, you know, you've gone for kind of young up-and-coming managers, successful um, EFL managers. Alex Neil would be... I'm not sure if there'd be any other League One club he'd go to. I mean, considering what yeah. he did at Preston, you know, so successful there and obviously Norwich as well. He looks like a really good appointment, but I guess the, the only concern, I guess, from you guys would be that you've had really good appointments before, and for, for one reason or another, you've been close or whatever. Wembley playoff finals hasn't been able to get you up. I think it's going to be, you know, at some point it's going to have to click, isn't it? You might need a bit of luck with an appointment, um, just someone just to get that impact and just find that rapport with the fans. I don't know quite how he's kind of what that rapport is like with with the fans. I don't know how he comes across from your guys' perspective, but. I mean, on a track record, you you can't really ask for many better than that. I would say, considering yeah. bringing someone in, I think I think he's a, he's a good fit for the club personally, and I think he actually is he, the kind of manager who Sunderland fans respond to. He's very kind of blunt and direct, and you know doesn't suffer fools gladly. Very straightforward, and he seems to have done a similar job to what um, Harris has done at Gillingham in terms of tightening up the defence mm. uh, because it, was, it wasn't it was that Sunderland weren't playing good football. In some senses, you know, we were playing some of the best football that we played for, for many a year. It was the fact that we couldn't keep the door shut at the back and he sorted that out. We haven't maybe been as free-flowing as, as we were before, but we're certainly looking a lot more solid. So I think it's going to be an interesting game where you've got two teams who are you know solidifying at the back maybe not scoring a great amount of goals uh, but I, w- I was looking through some reporting about your club and there's one player who's who stood out I guess is uh, Charlie Kelman mm-hmm. QPR Loney didn't get on with Evans did it was it right that he went 
kind of back so, to keep you on, then came back in. A bit of a funny one. Yeah, so we signed him on loan. Uh, that was under Steve Evans. He came on loan, played a little bit, and then fell out for whatever reason. I don't think anyone really knows about that um, or why that happened. But they had a fallout. And the way I think the EFL loans work is that he couldn't go back to somewhere. another. He couldn't go and join another another club. So it was almost like, you know, he would had to have spent the season in the 23s. Um, but then obviously Evans left. And between Evans coming in and Harris coming in at the end of January, we had uh, Steve Lovell, who managed us for a couple of years um, previously, club legend, kind of took took caretaker mm-hmm. charge. And he brought him back in because it, was, it seemed like a no-brainer. I mean, you know, he could only play for us. It, it just worked on all levels for him to come back in. Again, took a bit of time kind of getting back into it. But yeah, scored the winner at uh, Doncaster um, and then scored, you know, the, the important first goal against Accrington the other week. So yeah, for, for a side that's hardly scored a goal all season, for a striker to score, you know, two and three or whatever, it's two and four, um, mm-hmm. it's pretty good going. So we want that to continue. And we're, the problem with our team maybe this year is we haven't had quite enough pace when, you know, had a few injuries, haven't, haven't had too much pace. Um, and he really brings that to the side, um, a, bit of, a bit of a kick, which, you know, can make a difference, especially away from home um, when you're on the counter or whatever. Um, so no, he's really impressed in recent weeks. Just hopefully, you know, he can keep doing that and get a couple more before the end of the season because we're not conceding many. So, you know, if we can score a couple, then we're onto something good there. So what what is it about the improvement in the defence? Is, is it just more organisation or is there some key individuals who've either kind of come in or come back to make that difference? Because it is so stark, the mm. turnaround in the amount of goals that are being conceded. Um, just wondering what's behind it, really. So... For the, for, the, for the season up until January, we played four at the back and, yeah, conceded a lot of goals. Conceded a lot of goals. We had, we had a, really, a really good goalkeeper um, on loan from Chelsea. He's gone to MK Dons now, Jamie Cumming. Um, he was really impressive, but we were still conceding a lot of goals. Um, but Harris coming in first game, he moved to a back five and, you know, albeit Jamie Cumming left to go to MK Dons via, obviously, via Chelsea. Um, the number two, Aaron Chapman, who um, won the League Two Golden Glove with Accrington Stanley, was at Peterborough kind of been at a few clubs, has come in and done really, really well. Made a really important save at Morecambe in the last minute to kind of guarantee us a point. Made some good saves at Accrington last week as well um, to help us get the win. So he's come in um, and kind of, we haven't weakened in the goalkeeping department. And as a back four, we've moved to a back five now and we look much more solid as a result of that. Conor Masterson has also come in uh, on loan. And again, yeah, he's made a huge difference as well. Um, kind of playing, you know, we've now got him, Jack Tucker, Max Aimer, and for whatever reason, whether it's the coaching or just the five at the back, we've looked significantly, you know, much more solid than we'd looked in the, the weeks and months prior to Harris coming in. If, I don't know if that's just down to the players, kind of the mentality point of view or just the coaching or just a fresh voice. I don't know. But yeah, we've, that's kind of been the basis of what we've been trying to achieve, trying to keep clean sheets, keep it tight and try and nick a goal, you know, here and there. Uh, and it's worked. So long may that continue. Yeah, it's really interesting because it's very similar, actually, to what Alex Neal's done at Sunderland in terms of uh, moving back to a five at the back and Anthony Patterson coming back in in, in goal. You had been out on loan, um, taking over from Torben Hoffman, who's the, the, the lad we've got from Bayern Munich, who was in goal. We've had similar results with a similar system. And I know there's that cliche at the minute of, you know, a, a, when you play five at the back against five at the back, it becomes a, a battle down the wings with the wing backs. Um, so I don't know how good defensively your wing backs are um, or are they more the, the attacking type? Uh, I wouldn't say they're particularly, I don't think our wing backs are our strongest players potentially in the team. Um, the left wing back, Tuton, David Tuton, I presume it would be him, left wing back, he's. It's basically better defensively um, than going forward. He was in and out of the team at the start of the season. 
Um, a couple of injuries kind of took a while to settle in, but now kindly starting to look a bit more solid. Again, under Harris, you know, no surprise there really. And on the right-hand side, uh, Ryan Jackson, um, who's probably a little bit more um, aggressive going forward. So if anyone's going to go forward, it probably be would be Jackson. But, you know, his main asset, you know, I'm not giving away any, any trade secrets here by saying, but, you know, he's got a huge long throw. So, you know, he's almost worth his place in the team almost uh, for that alone because it's such an asset for us. You know, both the goals he scored at, at Accrington came kind of through that that long throw. And especially when we're away from home, it just gives us an opportunity to to score. Ultimately, you know, we haven't got a whole heap, heap of creative players that can, you know, pick a pass and can run past people. Um, and yeah, you know, Jackson's, he's an important player for us. But, you know, if, even him, you know, he had some critics at the start of the season defensively. Harris has come in as well and made him a better right back or a better right wing back. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say, I don't, I wouldn't expect to see both of our wing backs bombing forward, you know, like Liverpool do in terms of just like overloading and sitting on the edge of the box. I wouldn't expect that to be the case, especially, you know, going away to a side like yourselves. I um, would imagine they'll kind of sit in a little bit. But yeah, the long throws and kind of the set pieces are kind of what we play for. So keep an eye for that. Are there any Sunderland players who, who uh, you look at and think, oh, we're going we're gonna to have to keep an eye on him on Saturday, uh, or I'm particularly worried. Or I'd I'd really like it if if that lad picked up a, a knock in the warm up. Oh well, uh, I mean, so, so he get a start. I mean, the thing is, this, I mean that the, you compare the teams. I mean, on paper, I mean your team is just significantly more experienced. You know, got more League One now, so your squad is better. I imagine there's players on your bench that you know probably earn more than half of our squad play together. And um, obviously, you know, Ross yeah. Stewart, you know, his, his stats himself, just you know, you know, I can't say I've seen much of him play. But the stats alone would just, you know, pinpoint that he's been so pivotal for you. I'm, I'm not sure who your te- second top scorer is, but I imagine it's quite a long way behind, you know, what he's got. Because um, that's a good question. I'm yeah, gonna, I'm gonna have to Google that now. Feels like it's almost um, been, been a bit like a not not a one man, more a one man band. But he's he's very much the um, kind of the, the, the main man. And nothing wrong with that as well. I mean, that's how you know good teams have had that one that one goal scorer. But it's um, it's actually Nathan Broadhead who has played only 17 games. Um, and scored seven goals, yeah. uh, but he might actually be back. And again, Nathan Broadhead is a is a cut above at this level yeah, as exactly. a as a you know someone on the fringes of the Everton team last year. Um, but Ross Stewart, the goals stats speak for themselves. But um, he's a he's an all round player. You know, he's not he's not just your big target man. Mm. He's got pace. He's got he's got touch. He can hold the ball up and bring people into play, and he can bully centre-backs as well so uh, he'll he'll play at a higher level than uh, League One whether he plays it uh, with Sunderland or not we'll have to see what happens in the in the in the next few games really I was going to ask obviously you had a few players away on international duty would you expect them all to kind of be fit and, and available in terms of travelling I don't know where they would have been um, if they would have been do you know if they would have travelled far and wide um, I think we had obviously Ross Stewart was away with Scotland for the first time. Didn't get any any minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that uh, Trey Hume, uh, who's an all, a young kid from Northern Ireland, did actually come on for his international debut with Northern Ireland the other day. And well, Bailey Wright uh, was on standby for Australia. Uh, it was an unused substitute uh, in Saudi Arabia. Um, so he's had a bit of travelling and, yeah. and to be fair Bailey has been a, an absolute revelation coming back into the team has been one of the reasons that we've been so solid at the back recently I think and then we've had a couple away with England under 20s under 19s Callum Doyle Dan Neal and Corey Evans was with uh, Northern Ireland as well but they I mean they were only 
playing in Europe. I think they played in Northern Ireland. They played. They should be fine. Luxembourg as well. So they haven't they haven't been halfway around the world other than Bailey Wright. So mm. we should well, you know we've had two weeks really between fixtures because our fixture was cancelled with with all those players away on international duty. And what we're thinking and and hoping really is that. Uh, given Alex Neal's not had that much time on the training pitch with a large amount of the squad and we've had some really key players who are going to be crucial if we are to get promotion uh, who look like they're on the verge of coming back, your broadheads, etc. That, you know, hopefully will come back recharged and we've got these these kind of seven games left we've got and then potentially another three mm. and, and we'll pick up good form. But it'll be really interesting to see how we fare against... Julian, because we haven't always been great against the teams in the in the bottom half. We haven't been taking them apart as we probably were earlier in the season when we were playing a bit more free flow in football. So uh, before we finish, really, I just wanted to get your perspective on what you think is going to be the outcome of the game. Maybe not a score prediction, but how do you how how do you see the fixture going overall? Well, I would say that of our remaining six games, this is probably on paper our hardest game. So uh, I would imagine we would be. Maybe if we don't say it publicly, we'd probably be quite happy with a point. Um, and if we can kind of leave, come out of Saturday evening in the same position we go into Saturday morning, that will be a good day for us. Now, whether that's us getting a point and everyone else getting a point, then so be it. But if that's us losing and other teams losing, then, you know, fine mm. as well. Um, I think we'll, given, you know, how you describe about Sunderland playing, I can't imagine it being, you know, an end-to-end game um, in terms of just size creating chances um, left, right and centre. I would imagine we want to keep it um, fairly close. Uh, I would say maybe more so from our perspective than your perspective in terms of if we if we concede first, I would find it hard to think that we would have enough to to get back into the game and win it. Um, I feel like you just, you know, as you mentioned, the defence has been massively improved in, in recent weeks and we just haven't maybe got that that same kind of quant- quality or quantity of the bench just to really change the game with that impact player to come and change the game. Whereas, if you know, if we score first, I think it's going to be hard for you to get back into the game, I would imagine we'll keep it, we'll, you know, we'll definitely, you know, slow it down. Like all teams where we're on the table would do going to the Stadium of Light or basically any away game, we're going to slow it down. Um, maybe, you know, but maybe uh, with the quality you've got off the bench, and you know, the guys coming back that you mentioned, you'd get a goal. I would say if I had, if I had to push me for a verdict, I would say it'd be a tight game, a draw, but maybe a goal either way. But to, if to anyone, with to you, because I would imagine if we're drawing in the last 10 minutes, we'll be quite happy with that. Whereas you'll be the one wanting to go on to win it. Is how I would view it. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. I think if we score early, it could be a really, really difficult yeah, day for absolutely. Gilligan. Absolutely. I think if we don't score early, actually, just like you said, if it comes to the last 10 minutes, actually under Alex Neil, we've come through in those situations and we've shown that kind of resilience. But if you go ahead, it could be a really difficult afternoon for Sunderland. So it's going to be an interesting watch. I'm looking forward to watching the game myself. Are you going to be getting up there or are you going to be... Trying to follow along. To be confirmed at the moment, you know, uh, the train's up there. I'm, I'm already eyeing up the 5.30 back out of Sunderland, straight back down to London, um, the three and a half hour one. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to be there. I see tickets, you've, you've got to buy in advance. I've got to make a decision by probably tomorrow night. Um, but I'm hoping to be there, although not 100% yet. But yeah, I mean, as I say, it's a great stadium. You know, one of the, one of the best places to go. I haven't been there as a fan yet as well. So it's definitely one I want to take off on a way end. I'm um, up in the gods, so... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, good one. Really, really high up. Yeah, I know. Well, it was the press box is high up as well, to be fair. The press box is, you know, yeah, yeah, incredible yeah. high as well. So, um, yeah, I hope to be there. If not, I'll be I'll be listening or watching or whatever. Um, yeah, and fingers crossed that we uh, we get a result. Well, if you do make it, have a safe journey. Thank we you. We hope you go home uh, disappointed. 
but that uh, you do pick up that that six or seven points that Gillingham are going to need to uh, survive in League One this season. And yeah, and all the best. And thanks for your time this evening, Henry. It's been a pleasure. Really appreciate it. Cheers. Have a good evening. And there'll be plenty on Rope Report in lead up to the game, as well as all the coverage of Sunday Ladies game on Sunday as well. So I will speak to you all next time. Ta-ra. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.